0: It was great to be with you this morning. Um, Originally, Pete asked me to share uh, something with you from my last trip, um, which I've been back 10 days now from India, and then Sunday afternoon it changed uh, and doing the whole lot. Uh, And so this morning is going to be slightly different uh, to what you're used to in that, uh, for those who don't know, I was called to full-time ministry to serve God when I was 15 and a half, and began when I was 16, I graduated from high school straight into ministry, and now I'm in my 48th year, Uh, and God put me into a ministry with children, roughly 7 to 14, and that's where I've stayed all of these years, Um, and uh, there are so very few itinerating ministries uh, for children and young teens, plenty when you get beyond that, that I believe that everything I do must benefit children, either directly or indirectly. Uh, So either teaching them, uh, as we did here on uh, Good Friday, um, or uh, indirectly in teaching adults about children. And so I will start by saying a little bit about the trip to India, and then I'm going to look at what God can do in children's lives. Now, I believe it's important in every church uh, that as adults, we know what God has available for children and what they can come into so that we can be praying for them and helping them to that end. Uh, because the children are the weaker vessels. They can't read the scriptures, interpret it for themselves, and then get into it. They're perfect examples of sheep. They have to be led. Now, not everyone's called to lead children, but we all need to have a vision of what God has uh, because it's very clear all over the world that the world, the devil, is out to destroy our children right from the youngest ages. So it's important that we have this vision and know what God has for the children. But first of all, I've been back now 10 days from India, and India is one of the four countries that I'm currently going to where the devil is trying to close the doors. Uh, India's one and Bolivia, those two, the governments, are trying to stop the gospel being preached. Uh, Malaysia and Indonesia is the harder one to understand. It's the church that the devil's using uh to close the doors. Uh but that's a long story in itself. Uh but so I went to India uh this time. When I went out, not sure exactly what was going to happen, I' had been told uh, the fact that uh, the government uh, has, for many years, been trying to make India a Hindu state, And so they're working hard at trying to stop Christianity and Islam uh, from spreading. And uh, they're trying hard to stop children being taught the gospel, because they got the message right in that the government says, well, if you teach the children the Bible and they become Christians, then they'll live that for the rest of their lives. Unfortunately, you got it for the wrong religion, but uh, they got the right vision there, and so they're trying to stop children being taught the Bible. Uh, And so they turn a blind eye to Hindu radicals who descend on villages and burn the church and burn all the Christian literature and Bibles that they can find, And anyone who stops them or tries to stop them gets killed in the process. Um, And I knew that. uh, And so I went, not sure, but I was able to have all the meetings I would normally have. Um, They said for safety because some of the meeting places have been stoned uh, before where I was going. Uh, They arranged that the children would all be seated and ready when I arrived. I would preach do the ministry afterwards and pray for them and then leave immediately afterwards, uh, which I found difficult because, though the children don't know it, uh, uh, I learn a lot about the children by watching them when they come in to the, the meeting, what they do, how they behave, and I can usually pick out the ones who are going to give me a bit of problem before the meeting starts. Well, I didn't get that uh, on this occasion, but God undertook. Um, and so I went first... Uh, from I fly into Chennai, which used to be Madras, and then flew. I uh, then went by train fifteen hours up to Rajamundri in Andhra Pradesh, and that 's the area that i 've been working for many years. Um, and uh, three of the days I was teaching in an orphanage. Uh, one of two brothers that I work with there has an orphanage for just under one hundred children in the orphanage and there I get a free hand to preach um, exactly what I want. Uh, though uh, the devil tried to have a go in that orphanages now, they have inspectors that go and check up what's happening, what they're doing, uh, and close them down um, if they find things they don't like. Um, and the inspectors had already queried that why they have morning devotions and morning prayers and evening devotions and asking, well, who do you pray to? What God do you pray to? What do you teach them? Um, and uh, the final question they asked uh, this brother, uh, as he said, was the perfect question because the inspector said, well, do you convert these children to Christianity? So, of course, he could say, no, we don't because we can't convert children to Christianity or anybody and under his breath was praying, and they didn't pursue it, so we were okay. But they broke their own rules in that they're only supposed to inspect uh, during office hours, nine to five, um, because the office is locked, the principal goes home, um, and so they can't see everything. And they're only supposed to go outside of that if a complaint is made that something wrong is going on out of hours. But if they do that, then they have to call the principal to meet them at the orphanage and be there with them. And so it was the first meeting I had. I was two thirds of the way through my message and it was about half around seven o'clock by then and two car loads of inspectors turned up and they didn't phone uh, the principal and they didn't phone his wife either. So there was no warning. He asked them as someone made a complaint. No. Um, and so we quickly had to sort of tone things down just a little. And I just continued with the Bible story I was teaching, but didn't apply it to their lives at all. And then they left once we dismissed the children. But then we caught up the next day by going through it and giving children a chance to respond and to be prayed for. Um, so the devil was thwarted on that one. Um, but also uh, in that area, um, there was a bigger orphanage which has closed. And instead, they have child care centers. Uh, and, this is, they're in, and they've got eight uh, care centers in five villages. These are poor, very poor people with ne- little or no income. Uh, and so they will either use the church building or hire something, rent something. And they will have it open for children for two hours in the morning from six until eight, where the children can go and get breakfast, and help with their homework, and they have a, a small Bible story and a prayer. And then after school, they can come back again from 6 to 8, uh, where they uh, have a full meeting uh, with praise and worship and teaching and leading them into the things of God, and then they take home enough food to feed one family. Uh, the, the, some villages, they have to have now two care centers because... The, uh, many of the people in the village will be the lowest caste, the untouchables. But the next caste up will not put their children in with the untouchables, so you have to have one for the next caste, uh, otherwise they miss out. Uh, and so there, of course, you've got a free hand to preach the gospel and to invite the children to respond um, and see that begin to see their lives change. And so there are about three hundred thirty, three hundred forty uh, children covered in those care centers, uh, receiving uh, the gospel on a daily basis, um, which is fantastic. And then from there, I went back down south to Tiripity, um, which is a place that I went for a number of years and ministered, and then there's been a big gap of a lot of years, and I went back there for the first time after many years, uh, and was working with a man who is the pastor's son, and he was 11 years old when I first went to Tiripity, uh, where in my meetings, he, or no, in, sitting in his, in his uh, lounge at his father's house, I prayed for him to become a Christian, and he was filled with the Spirit later. Um, and evidently, I prophesied over him that he would be doing what he's doing today. Now, I don't remember that, but he and his parents remember it very well. And so now today, he's a married man with three children and has a very uh, productive children's ministry. Um, one of the few that I've helped to train in ministry that stayed with children. Uh, and so we went there, and uh, he has a, a big room where they have a church and bring all the children from the village across the road in, where, again, have a free hand to preach the Gospels uh, and to teach them whatever you like and pray for them, minister to them. We also went and t- uh, preached in the boys' prison and the girls' prison. And uh, when you say boys and girls, it is literally boys and girls they can be anything from six or seven years old up to 18 when they're then old enough to go to uh, an adult prison and uh, there are three kinds of children in those prisons some of them are uh, criminals they've been caught stealing or whatever because they're so poor and they're put in there into prison some of them are there because the police have found them homeless on the streets and for their own safety, they take them and put them in the prison. Uh, and some of them are there because the parents can't cope anymore. And so they get them put into the prison. Um, but both of those prisons, the principal, are born-again Christians. And so, again, you get a free hand to go in and preach the gospel. And the man I was working with is also called David. He goes in there on a regular basis, building up these children. So at least when they leave, they, they have uh, a decent walk with God even though they go back out into the world uh, where there's nothing for them. But at least we can <coughs> sow the seeds into their lives um, and then trust them into God's hands. Uh, the girls' prison, unfortunately, the principal there is retiring, uh, I think, in March next year. So they're praying that another Christian will take over. Otherwise, of course, with the way that India going, that could well close the door. Um, immediately Um, and then the final meeting was a little bit of a more risky one where we went to this very poor village and had a gathering with sort of 24 28 children and preached the gospel outside a house in this village Um, that was perhaps not the best idea and there were people staring at us but no one got violent in any way so we were okay but uh, that was the more risky one but It was okay, and I'm back again. Um, And tomorrow, I'll begin my journey to Norway, opposite extremes, India to Norway, as different chalk is to cheese, Um, and I'll be there then for four weekends, uh, ministering in different parts of Norway. And so, then, as we come to sharing, uh, and starting off with some verses that are probably very familiar, but uh, put things very much in a nutshell In Matthew chapter 18, verses 1 through 6. And there it says, And at that time the disciples came and asked Jesus, Who's the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? And Jesus called his little child to him and put the child among them. Then he said, I tell you the truth, unless you turn from your sin and become like little children, you'll never get into the kingdom of heaven. So anyone who becomes as humble as this little child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. And anyone who welcomes a little child uh, like this on my behalf, is welcoming me. But if you cause one of these little ones who trusts in me to fall into sin, it would be better uh, for you if a large millstone were tied around your neck and be drowned in the depths of the sea. Uh, That clearly shows God's heart for children. That when asked the question, who's the greatest in the kingdom of God, one would have expected him to say, well, my father is. Or maybe he himself was, or the religious leaders would be, but no, he took the one you least expected of a child and said, There is an example of the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. That's the way God sees children. Uh, and I believe he sees them that way because, um, as it goes on to say, unless you become like a child, you cannot enter the kingdom of God. Now, a child left to themselves the way God made them. Uh, they have within them all you need to move into anything that God has for us, a simple faith and trust. A faith and trust that doesn't have to understand it up here, but will accept it here in the heart and do it without understanding. Uh, and God meets them. Uh, and that's within them. And it's only if circumstances, situations, or people have driven that out of them that it's not there. But left to the way God made them, they have that. Uh, ingredient within them. Uh, and so therefore, as I see it, it's more important to reach children with what God has for them while they're young and have that ingredient naturally within them than wait until they're older when they, be, they, when they start to lose that. Because the older you get, the more intelligent you become, the more you want to work things out up here, the harder it is to revert back to a simple faith and trust. And so I believe that they should have receive, move into everything that God has for them at young ages uh, while they have that within them. Now, the Bible does say in Proverbs 22 and verse 6, train up a child in a way he should go and when he's old he won't depart from it. Train up a child in the way you want them to go. You want them to be spiritual beings, then you train them up that way. Now, it doesn't say that they won't backslide or they won't go through problems, they won't have challenges, because they do. And some fall away. But if uh, the gospel has been firmly embedded into their lives, and they've, they've had experience of God, they've put in their a huge handle for the Holy Spirit to take hold of and bring them back again. If we don't put the gospel in, we don't let them experience God, there isn't the handle for the Holy Spirit to use. Now, we know that God doesn't need us. He's God. He's almighty. He can do anything on his own. But he chooses to work for his people. And so we build into the children. Uh, we sow the seed, we lead them into what God has, and then the Holy Spirit's got that handle. And I've heard many a testimony uh, of adults who have said that uh, it was the things they were taught as a child in Sunday school that brought them back to God. And there was one I heard, this man said, I did everything I could to be as bad and as dreadful as I could. I got into everything I could that I knew God didn't want me to, But the thing that haunted me all the time was what I was taught in Sunday school. And it eventually brought me back on to my knees um, and back to God again. Uh, So it's not wasted. It's not, it shouldn't be done because this might happen. Uh, Because uh, if we do that, then we're setting a higher standard for children than adults. We say, well, they've got to be a certain age or mentality, whereas adults don't have to reach anything before they can have then we're make, making different standards. Uh, as far as God is concerned, they can have all that he has for them. And size of body doesn't count uh, in this, uh, because the things of God, the things of spirit are by faith, we move into them. Uh, and smaller body doesn't mean they get less of God than what we do, uh, because God is God and he's the same to all of us. Uh, and so we need to be leading them. And so basically, what can children have, uh, receive, and be in God? Uh, anything and everything. I've read through the scriptures, word by word, from Genesis to Revelation, four times to see if I could find any limits, uh, anything they had to reach, do, or achieve, attain to, before they could have any of the things of God, and I find nothing. All I found was words like, uh, you and your children, or everyone, or whosoever. And everyone means everyone. And if God wanted to put a limit there, it would be in Scripture. And so because he doesn't put a limit, then he includes us all. Because even as adults, we're called children of God. So therefore, he includes every one of us. So there's nothing in Scripture they cannot have or do. Now, by this, I'm not saying children down here can take authority and rule and all those sorts of things. No. But receiving the things of God and doing, they can. Uh, And so, uh, let's just see uh, if that fact then is true. And looking at a few scriptures. Uh, First of all, in Acts chapter 2, verses 38 and 39, Peter's first message after Pentecost be saved, be baptized, be filled with the Holy Spirit for you and your children. It doesn't say you and your grown-up children. Children are children, whatever age or size they may be. And so uh, in that, we get salvation, we get water baptism, and we get baptism of the Holy Spirit, uh, which is accompanied by speaking in other tongues. All there for us and our children. And as far as I'm concerned, in this day and age, our children need all of those three uh, as soon as possible uh, in order to keep them. Because even in our smallest schools, uh, ch- uh, children, smallest children in school, uh, the enemy's at work trying to get in there before God does. And so we need to lead them into these things uh, early, as early as we can. Now, I've had many people say to me, well, children can, you shouldn't give them tongues. They may abuse it. Uh, misuse it, do it in the wrong place, uh, and t- rise up and take authority that's not theirs. Well, I'm now in my 48th year and I've not, not found those things happen. No, it can happen, but it can happen with adults too. I've seen adults who've abused tongues, used it in the wrong place, taken authority that's not theirs, but we don't say, well, the adults can't have it because they might do this, so we shouldn't say the children can't have because they might do this. Uh, when I teach these things, I give them th- guidelines, where to use tongues, where not to use tongues, etc., etc., and then I trust God to do what I can't. Uh, and when people have come uh, throwing that one at me, I've said, okay, bring me the evidence. Bring me uh, proof that children are doing this. And so far, no one has, because these things are for our children. Um, and we need, in this day and age, to make the gospel a hands-on gospel, And everything is hands-on. With computers and the electronic age we're in, everything's hands-on. And so we can't leave children just to have a head knowledge and an inner experience. They need to be hands-on. And uh, in praising God in tongues, getting into higher realms, into the presence of God, helps you to be more hands-on for the children. And moving on, 1 Corinthians 12 and verse 11 Before that, it gives us a list of the gifts of the Holy Spirit. When it comes to verse 11, it says, and the Holy Spirit gives to each one freely as he chooses. It doesn't say to the pastor or to certain people in the church. He gives to those whom he chooses. And it's my experience that God chooses to use children to bring prophetic words, tongues and interpretation, visions and interpretation, and so on. Uh, And again, making it a hands-on gospel. They're doing what is normally seen as an adult thing, but they're involved in. Uh, And it brings them closer to God in so doing. Uh, And so I've seen these gifts working out in children's lives. Uh, And just like here, when anyone gets a word, they check out with Pete or whoever's leading. Uh, So when I lead children into these things, they check things out with me before they share them. And then I give them room to share. And if they're a very shy child uh, that gets something from God but is too shy to say it or do it, then I will say it for them. But I'll, I'll have the child there or I'll say the name of the child. They receive this. I'm saying it for them because uh, they prefer me to do that. Uh, and I'll do that for a few times. But uh, I've never yet had to say to a child, well, I've said it enough times for you now. It's about time you said it yourself. Once they get confidence that they really do hear God and it is okay, then they will be prepared to say it for themselves once they've got an okay from me. Uh, But again, we must make these things a hands-on gospel um, so that uh, they're included in things. And uh, in my experience, I've seen uh, that natural handicaps uh, don't exist in the spirit. And I've seen seen a, a deaf and dumb child be able to Share a vision and interpretation. Um, because nothing is impossible with God. If they have a heart, yes, I want God to use me, and they open up their hearts to Him, then God will use them. Um, and uh, it uh, is a way of preparing them for ministry later. Um, when you're involving them in things like that and sharing of Scripture, God speaking through Scripture is usually my first step to, uh, before teaching them on the gifts of the Spirit get them waiting on God, for God to give a book chapter and a verse. Uh, And then when they've all shared, I show them how all the scriptures put together from different parts of the Bible, from different children, all end up making one message. Uh, Now, of course, I have to write down a piece of paper. I'm getting old. My memory's not what it used to be. But I put the main points on a piece of paper and I can read back what a whole group of children have said. Uh, And you can often find that God will trust a child where well, he can't trust an adult. There was one children's weekend we had in this country, and on the Saturday night, one of the leaders came and sat in on the meeting. Uh, and I'd been there a number of times, so the children were flowing and using the gifts of the Spirit. So there was a line of children, came up with things to share. Now, this uh, church leader, he <clears throat> was an older man, his children had grown up and left home. He came to me afterwards and he said, I had a word from God, but I didn't share it. So why didn't you share it then? The children did. He said, because they didn't understand what it meant and know who it was for. And so uh, I just prayed with him. We left it at that. It was just he and I that knew uh, what God had given him. The next morning was family service in the church. And during the worship, there was a line of children came up to share. Well, not just children. there were All ages came up to share words from God. And then this leader came up and there was tears down, running down his face. And he stood and he said, I've got to say this. He said about what happened Saturday night, and then in a very loving, caring way, he just pointed to the boy and said, That word um, that you had last night, did you understand what it meant? And the boy said, No. He was about 10, 11. um, And so he said, Do you know who it was for then? So the boy said, No. So he said, Well, why did you share it then? And he simply said, Well, because God gave it to me and told me to share it, so I did. And that's it, a simple faith and trust. God gave it to me and told me to say it. And so he did. And then he said, and I knew by now, that word, literally word for word, that the, the that boy uh, had, the word for word the boy had was exactly what the man had. Um, and he, that boy had come and shared it. And then this man came up. And that was word for word, literally. An adult wouldn't do it, so he gave it to a child who would do it. And and, uh, so we need to be prepared uh, for that. But we need to lead children along that way. You know, the callings of God, the children should know. A glimpse of what God has for them for the future. We look in Jeremiah chapter 1. We read a conversation there uh, between Jeremiah, obviously a young Jeremiah from the wording, and God. And God says, before I called you, uh, before you were in your mother's womb, before you came into this world, I called you and set you aside to be a prophet and priest in the land. Jeremiah's answer is, but God, I can't. I'm too young. And God's answer is, don't say you're too young. If I say it, you can do it. If I send you, you can go. Don't be afraid, for I'll help you, says the Lord. The gift and callings are within the child before they come into the world. And therefore, God needs us to be available to recognize those callings and uh, be open to share them. Like David in India when he was 11, he's now in his 40s, and is now doing what was said back then. Um, And uh, in this day and age, where there isn't too much hope for the future, they have something then to be able to hang on to. Uh, And don't look at the outward appearance of the child. Remember in Samuel, when Samuel uh, is sent to anoint uh, David to be king, um, and uh, he gets the the son number two, and God says, don't look at the outward. If man looks at the outward appearance, I look at the heart. We need to look at the heart of the the person, not the outward appearance. And I know exactly what that means, because when God called me at fifteen and a half, I was very, very shy then. Um shyer than I am now, uh, and I went, eventually, it took me great courage to do it, I went and told my church leaders that God had called me to minister, a full-time ministry, and that I wouldn't be getting a, a wage for it, I'd be living by faith. And they said, no, David, you can't. They said, David, look, you can't sing in tune, you can't play a musical instrument, you can't draw, you can't act, uh, and you're not a good storyteller, you speak with a stutter. He uh, said, and all those things were true of me. I was just like that when God called me. God has changed some of those, some things he hasn't chosen. As, uh, as Sam was saying to me, Grandad, what happens if you if push the switch on your machine uh, while, you're, while the worship is on? I said the congregation, well, this horrible noise coming out because I still can't <laughs> sing in tune uh, or play a musical instrument. I can't act. I can't play around. I can teach the word of God under God's anointing. And lead children into what God has for them. And that's all I have. As you, those who are here on Good Friday saw, I've managed to develop my stick men that I can speak and use those for illustration so they can see and hear what I'm teaching. And all I have is the call of God and God's anointing. And that's what I've gone out with. Um, and uh, God, with God, there are no limits. Uh, and we need to see that. We limit by looking at the outward appearance. Those church leaders looked at the David on the outside. They didn't see the heart on the inside. But God had his way, and I got there. But in these things, you know, a child may be prophesying one minute, and the next minute the meeting's over they're running around, and chairs are scattering everywhere, because that's a child. Their mind flits from one thing to another uh, when they're young. They don't stick on something all the time. They don't act all normal and proper. They're children. And that will only change as they get older and mature. Bringing children into the things of God is no way taking away from their childhood or from their youth. God gave each stage of a child's development for them to enjoy. Childhood to enjoy, youth to enjoy, young people to enjoy. So God's not going to take that away from them. That will only come in the process of time, naturally. Uh, but it doesn't mean they're less spiritual because they charge around and you see them doing things wrong sometimes. Do we adults become perfect? No. The difference with us is that we can walk away and keep quiet and cover up. Um, we don't make a big deal out of anything we do wrong. Whereas a child is very simple and you see what they do. You see the errors that they get up to. But it doesn't limit their spirituality. Spirituality. Uh, and what they can have and be in God by um, the outward appearance. Yes, the sin and those sort of things uh, needs to be dealt with and needs to be (coughs) uh, worked out of their lives, but we mustn't judge them by that because God has anything and everything. And when it comes to Ephesians 4.11 ministries, the pastor, teacher, evangelist, and all those things, It doesn't say that those are for the leaders of the church or a certain set group of people. It's for the building up of the body. And children can be part uh, of those ministries in teaching. Now, as I said, I don't believe in taking authority. I will... If I've got children and I'm training in ministry, I will give them room to preach. Um, But I have... They're not allowed to tell the children what to do or anything. That's my job. I have the authority and I take the responsibility if anything goes wrong and the child can function in the ministry. Uh, you know, Sometimes mistakes are made, so I have to take them aside afterwards and show them where they went wrong and then encourage them the next time. You'll get it right next time. You'll be okay. Uh, but not limit um, in that way. So there is no limit whatsoever uh, on what God can have or do uh, in children. And uh, as People, we need to, adults in the church, we need to be praying for the children. Uh, And we have a large number of children here, plenty of opportunity and potential, and we need to be leading them into those things. Uh, And I do also believe that in this day and age, uh, we need to be leading children into biblical repentance, not just a prayer that says, I've sinned and done wrong, forgive me, Jesus, come into my heart. Um, but we need to be leading them through biblical repentance. Uh, and in Luke 13, verse 3, it says, unless we repent, we perish. So therefore, biblical repentance, what is that? 1 John 1, verse 9, if we confess our sin, he's faithful and just to forgive us. So we have to, uh, they have to admit, yes, I have sinned, I've done wrong. I'm going to list the things they've done wrong, just admit, yes, I've done wrong. Then 2 Corinthians 7 verse 10 says, Godly sorrow produces repentance that leads to salvation. So they have a godly sorrow. Uh, And one of the best ways to teach godly sorrow is to go through the reason why Jesus went to the cross uh, and the suffering of Jesus on the cross, but why he did it. With each suffering, he did this because he so loves you and wants to be in your life and part of your life. Um, And... uh, Therefore, getting a godly sorrow and, and brings them to a place of hating their sin and saying to children, This is one place you can't think you can hate, and that's the sin that you've done because of what it did for Jesus on the cross. Um, and <clears throat> then in Ezekiel 18 and verse 30, it says, Repent and turn away. So, it also needs to be a part of turning away from sin. Uh, and I teach them, Yes. We all slip up, we all have accidents, we all sin sometimes, it happens too quickly and bang, it's done, uh, or whatever. Then we come back to God, repent and deal with it. But We shouldn't deliberately and knowingly go out and do something we know to be wrong and then just come back and expect uh, God to say, it's okay, uh, you're, you're fine. You know, we mustn't deliberately go out and do that. Um, and again, in this day and age, And I know some people don't agree with me on this one. I believe that we need to teach children very clearly that getting saved and filled with the Spirit and those things is only steps on the way toward heaven. It is not a guarantee. It is not your free ticket to heaven because you become a Christian. The Bible clearly says, he who walks with me to the end will be saved. Take up your cross and follow me. We have to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. It doesn't say... You're saved, so therefore you'll get to heaven at the end. You're fine. We have to walk with him. And walking with Jesus means living our lives to please him, choosing to please him. Um, and I know some people in this day and age, in some of the big churches, uh, leaders are preaching uh, ultra grace, uh, and that you're saved, so therefore you're in heaven. And after that, you don't sin, because any sin you do automatically is covered by the blood. Uh, to me, that is uh, gives me license to do what I like. I can go out and sin as much as I like because it doesn't bother. Because it's already covered. It's not. We have to come back to God when we sin. And anyway, whoever t- at the end of the day, the children that I've taught this method, you've got to work out your salvation, will end up in heaven. If the other teaching is correct, then the children will end up in heaven. So. If I teach them the way that I believe, then it's it's a win-win situation, whichever one proves to be the right one. Uh, But I believe we need to teach them uh, to to, uh, walk with Jesus. And then quickly, as I must be finishing, uh, a quick word for parents. Of course, parents here, you have number one spiritual responsibility for your children. It's not the church here. It's not uh, somebody else Parents have number one responsibility for the bringing up and training their children physically and spiritually. Uh, And uh, uh, if you're a parent, then you can take your part and do what you can in training your children spiritually. Because the Bible says those who God calls, he equips. The fact he's given you children means he'll equip you to do what you need to do. Uh, And everyone will be different in what they do, but parents must, in this day and age, be having spiritual input into your children's lives and leading the best you can spiritually, um, not just leaving it to the church. I mean, we're only here for a short time once a week and maybe some other odd special occasions. Uh, But your children are with you every day and we need to spend time. And yes, we're all busy. We all have too much to do uh, and never get through it all. But... Our children's spiritual lives must be number one priority. And as far as I'm concerned, that means if there's a meeting on anywhere where your children can be taught the things of God, then they should be there. Uh, and uh, and other, other things should move away. Uh, and in this day and age, it's getting very difficult to get children's ministry during the week. Because they've got, children got extra tuition, they've got clubs, they've got social activities, they've got homework and all these things, and so parents say, no, we can't let them go uh, out in the evening. They've got too much to do. Uh, And then when it comes to Saturday, if you have a meeting uh, all day Saturday, very often there'll be children who'll be fetched at some point during the day to do something else. Uh, And parents say, well, I teach my children commitment. If they start these things, they've got to be committed to do them. Yes, that's good, and they should do that, but spiritual input uh, should come above these other things And they won't lose out. They won't lose out. God will make sure your children don't lose out if you make sure they're in places where they can be receiving the things of God. Because, as I see it, uh, you stand uh, in what's called loco parentis for God concerning your children. When you send your children to school, you put your child into the hands of the school teacher and you expect that teacher to do the best job they can to educate your child on your behalf. Uh, And uh, you don't like it if they fail in that. Well, the children that you have are God's children first. He only lends them to you for a period of years for you to train them and build them up and launch them off into their own lives. Uh, And so you stand like the teacher stands in loco parentis for you in school. You stand in loco parentis for God in bringing up your children. And just like you expect the teacher to do the best job they can, God expects us to do the best job we can in bringing up our children spiritually. Uh, and with this one, of course, we must not compare one with another uh, and what somebody does and what somebody else does. You do the best you can and God will do what you can't. Uh, whatever you can do is important and God will make it up. Don't compare, but do make sure that you're doing what you can And for us all to take these things that God has for children to our hearts and pray for the children uh, maybe a bit more constructively than we've done before. We want these children here to be raised up as a great and mighty army for God. An army that God can use. uh, And his spirit can flow through. And Will be a challenge to us too. Uh, and we're all, as church members, are all a part of that. So let's just pray as I finish. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the blessing of children as parents. We thank you for the blessing as children, of children as church members, in the children you've given to us, as members of this church. And I pray you'll help each one of us to take uh, <clears throat> the part that we can in helping these children to be what you want them to be, whether that's praying, being involved, giving, sharing, whatever. Each one will take our part uh, in covering these weaker vessels that don't always recognize sin for sin because it's what everybody else does at school. Lord, we need (coughs) you to help us to cover them and protect them and raise up a great and mighty army of children here. In this place, we pray in Jesus' name, amen.